Hi, everybody. My name is Flyway. I'm a recovering bulimic restrictor and compulsive overeater. Um, I am really grateful for this chance to speak. I haven't spoken for a long, long time because I was in a relapse. So um, I will do my best today to share what it was like uh, and uh, what it's like now and my hope. So um, I was in OA between 1990 and 2005, and I relapsed in 2005 and finally came back in January of this year. Um, I've been abstinent from sugar and wheat since January 2nd, 2019, and I have been food plan abstinent for two months. Um, so I was raised in northern Indiana. I was a farm girl. My mom put in like an acre of garden, and we worked on it, and she froze and canned and um, did all kinds of farm things with our food. Um, my mom had a particular thing with sugar, though. She always told me that I couldn't have Kool-Aid um, or, or soda growing up. I grew up in the 60s. I was a little girl in the 60s because they had sugar in them. But she served us, um, like, high C drinks with sugar in them and iced tea with sugar in them. And the reason I'm mentioning that is because one of, I think my biggest problem with food is sugar. I am very addicted to sugar. Um, my mom was older when she had me, and she was bulimic. She controlled her weight by um, drinking coffee and smoking all day long and not eating till supper. Um, she used laxatives. And she was extremely critical of overweight people, including my father. My father was obese ever since I knew him. I think his highest weight was over 300 pounds, and he died of uh, diabetes in his 60s as a result of that. My grandmother also died of diabetes in her 60s on his side. Um, my dad had a terrible sugar addiction. I can remember mom making uh, batches of sweet things to eat and they would be gone before the evening was out. Um, I specifically have a memory of her taking me into the pantry and showing me a huge cake pan full of fudge that was almost all gone and berating my father for how much sugar he ate, how much he ate. That became really significant to me because her voice continued on in my head when I had a sugar problem. Um, my dad also would get up in the night and would eat um, boxes of cereal I can remember creeping out as a little girl in my pajamas and seeing him under that neon light, that fluorescent light, just binging a huge bowl full of cereal. Later in my life, I did the same thing, even though my mom's um, repulsion of that was in my head at the same time. So binging for me was always a very conflicted thing because I was binging because I was addicted and at the same time um, hating myself for doing it and listening to my mom's voice in my head. Um, I was a farm girl growing up when I was in high school. I got involved in sports. I was like a three-season athlete. And I heard some cheerleaders talking about how um, they weighed 90 pounds and they didn't want to weigh a pound over that. And I never talked to my friends about how much I weighed. And at the time, I was 125, and I decided I must be chronically obese. So I began restricting. I um, worked out after our sports practices. I would ride or uh, I'd ride my bike for miles, run an extra five miles, and that continued on for about 10 years after high school. Um, I worked at a girls' camp in the summer. I was a, a sports counselor and um, very active all day long, and I distinctly remember trying to never eat breakfast. 
so that I could control my intake and lose weight to get down. My goal was always 110, 110. I don't know where that number came from. Um, when I got to college, I was okay until my junior year when I transferred and didn't play collegiate sports anymore. And um, I started struggling with a five-pound weight gain. I learned about um, calorie counting. I remember I would eat no breakfast, and I would eat food at, at lunch in my little refrigerator back in the 70s that never, ever was over 300 calories. I fiddled around with, um, with purging by vomiting. Uh, we had a small bathroom near my dorm room, and I went in there. It was a one stall, and I remember seeing a girl in there with bags of cakes and candies and cookies and hear her, hearing her throw up. And this would have been maybe in 1976. So um, the disease of compulsive eating and the diseases of bulimia and anorexia weren't much talked about then. Um, I also, um, at age 28, suffered probably my first major disappointment. I just retired from teaching two years ago, and I only had my teaching job for a couple years, and I got uh, laid off risk, uh, reduction in staff. It was a very unfair choice. It was a sexist choice. Uh, a man took my job. Um, they said that he could have my job. He had a child. And so um, at that point, I began binging. And um, I didn't have any other skills. I didn't have any skills to deal with the pain of losing this job. And so I binged and I tried restricting through um, uh, like Weight Watchers and Diet Center and Nutrisystem and um, none of it would stick. And finally, um, in June of 2000, I attended my first OA meeting. And um, at that time in June, um, I just went for a three meal a day abstinence without sugar. And in the fall, one of my dearest friends was killed in a car wreck. And I realized I, I still didn't have any coping skills. I didn't know how to deal with my emotions. So there was a local hospital that opened up a treatment program that was 12-step oriented for um, food disorders and compulsive eating. Um, I, I went there into the outpatient for the next three years, got very involved in LA, um, had service positions, um, got to a normal weight range, maintained it for about 10 years. And then in the year 2000, I was attempting to leave a 25-year relationship. And I, I, it was, I was struggling. I, I'm lesbian. My, my partner and I at the time had found each other in college, but, um, but really didn't fit each other at all. And I spent 25 years trying to make it fit and it didn't. And so I remember distinctly my first bite of sugar and it, it's really key to me. Uh, my partner had a piece of pie, a kind of pie I don't like in the refrigerator. I don't like it. And it was eating that, I eat the piece of pie. And it was that that got me back on the sugar wheel again. And I struggled, and I struggled. And um, then I met my current wife, and we moved to Arizona. And I went to meetings there. But the meetings were small. There were maybe, you know, three or four people. They were not big book focused. They were food plan focused. Um, there's a big difference between L.A. nowadays and L.A. back then. It's a big difference. Um, we didn't read the big book a lot, um, and finally, in about 2005, I just stopped going. And by what I mean about stopped going was um, 
I just ate everything I wanted to. And I ate wheat and I ate sugar and I ate large quantities of it. I did in about 2006 find a person named Kay Shepard who purports to use the 12 steps, um, but she is a for-profit person. And it was an extremely restrictive um, diet plan. So here I found, yay, 12 steps and restriction. Yay, this is my thing. It didn't work. So um, after about, I don't know, six months of that, and some very rapid weight loss, which was unhealthy for me, and caused me gallstones, I left that program and was without a ship for uh, until January of this year. Um, I can remember in my relapse, eating probably 85% sugar items all day long. It's a very chemical addiction for me. Um, my my wife, who was in a different program, and I would binge together on on huge amounts of pastries and, and candies. And um, that kind of continued for me. 2013 to 2017 was the darkest time of my life. Um, I had some very difficult personal changes happening in my life with uh, someone I was close to. My, my uh, teaching situation when I got to Seattle was not desirable. Um, it was at a very dysfunctional school. And I plunged myself into eating and depression, um, even to the point of being suicide, suicidal and making a suicide attempt um, and being hospitalized for it. I worked with a couple therapists who helped with the immediacy of the problem. Um, but I had had a lot of therapy in the 90s before that it really helped. And I still was unable to talk to the therapist about my eating disorder and about um, that. And they never brought it up, which is amazing because I was at my high weight of about 280 pounds. Um, but it was never brought up and I wasn't going to bring it up. Finally, um, I, I feel like I lost my higher power during that time. I had developed a wonderful relationship with my higher power in the 90s. Um, I'm Native American. I grew up in a, a church that was uh, abusive and uh, had a picture of a higher power that was punitive and out to get you. And during that time, I, I forgot about the higher power I created in LA. And I felt that that deep, dark male God was punishing me. Um, I had no resources. Um, most of my friends had left because of my situation. I had no one to reach out to. And um, and I think that my eating disorder was, was probably my primary reason for descending into that depth, my untreated eating disorder. So I went to a few meetings. I live in Seattle, and I went to a few meetings in January, or well, actually November, at a small group. Uh, in January, I went to a few more, and the end of February, first of March, when we started having Zoom meetings, I started coming back. Um, and I was going to maybe three or four meetings a week at that time. There's a lot of meetings in the Seattle area. Um, and as I moved through my temporary sponsor into finding a permanent sponsor, I, I noticed that things are really different for me this time than they were the first time in L.A., the first thing is um, my relationship with my higher power. I have direct contact with her every day, several times a day. Um, I find that this program has more openness than what your higher power is now, more self-compassion, and more focus on the steps in the program and less less on food plan and struggles with your food plan, which 
makes me really realize that I, I was missing a lot in the 90s. My program had a lot of big holes in it. Um, today, I, I turn to, to my higher power every day with gratitude in the morning and things I can't control and kind of put it out on the table for her. Um, I turn to my higher power immediately for guidance and comfort when I have a problem or when I have serious feelings, happy feelings, most of feelings are angry feelings. I immediately talk to my higher power about that because I understand that intense feelings can make me get back into the eating. Um, I, I find that my higher power this time understands me. Um, her voice talks to me inside me in compassionate strong, loving, honest ways. Um, I'm also, what's really helping me this time is doing step work. It brings me closer to my higher power when I do my step work. Um, it keeps me getting more and more honest with myself and about my disease. Um, it helps me develop a safe, supportive relationship that continues to get deeper with my sponsor. The more I'm vulnerable with her and the more she stays there and accepts me, and loves me and tells me I'm okay, the more I internalize that and the easier it is for me to say that to myself. Um, I now love outreach calls. Just even last March, I remember my sponsor telling me to call three people the next day and I, oh, I didn't want to. And don't you know, the first person I called, I said, hi, this is wise away. Can you take an outreach call? And the person said, no. I kept coming back. Um, the next person I called was able to talk to me. So today I look forward to those calls, and I don't mind making them at all. And I'm getting more and more of an intuitive sense of when to make those calls, when it's important to talk or be honest with another person. Um, so what my life is like now, every morning I get up, I read literature, I pray, I journal. Um, I write down three gratitudes and uh, three things I can't control. I follow my food plan. I do it ahead of time. I only have two months of food plan abstinence. Um, but I just couldn't find a food plan I could stand because I'm a night eater. And it was a gift. It was a gift for me. It was grace that gave me the ability to do that. Because I had tried for about six months. And then, boom, two months ago, one night, I, I got the gift. Keep coming back. It works. Um, I go to a meeting a day. Um, and I don't mind it. I look forward to it. Um, I do 12-step big book sponsoring with my sponsor uh, one time a week. I'm currently working on step four. Um, I make at least one outreach call a day. I do a pray at night, and I do a quick 10-step in my head. And um, I have so much gratitude for this program and for all of you because uh, your stories and your acceptance are what keeps me coming back and has kept me getting healthier emotionally and physically from this disease. I hope I never leave the fellowship again. Today it's my greatest source of wisdom and growth and love, and I'm really using it to be the blueprint of my life. Um, thank you for having me speak today. I appreciate it, and uh, you never know how nervous I was, but <laughs> it came out all right. Thanks, everybody.